listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. If you wonder why it just says Romans 15 on here, it's because we have to do the... Uh, we have to turn the sermon in, I mean, the bulletin into the printer on Tuesday or Wednesday. And because I have a full-time job in addition to this, my time for sermon preparation is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So um, it would have a title if, we, if, the, if the, the timing worked out better. And it's a shame because I like my title. Uh, but uh, alas, uh, it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't get to be about me. it got to be about God. Um, let me read uh, our scripture and then we'll pray. This is Romans 15, 1 through 7. You can follow along in your bulletin uh, if you don't have a, a Bible. Um, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I need you like, like crazy right now. Um, I have no business being up here. I have no business handling your word. Um, the, only, the only thing that I can lean on up here is your promises in your scripture, you say that when your word goes out, it does not return void. You say that you are pleased to strike a straight line with a crooked stick. Lord, I am nothing but a crooked stick. If a straight line is going to be struck, it's going to take you. So I, I plead with you now. I throw myself on your mercy. I beg you to please come and get me out of the way. And you speak, Lord. Speak to me. Speak through me. Speak in spite of me. And we will be very careful, sir, to give you all the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So my, uh, my title that I was so proud of that I didn't come up with in time to get it in the bulletin uh, is called Harmony in Unison. Um, if you've been with us through this long study in Romans, one thing you know is that the Apostle Paul can be very, very complicated. And oftentimes he can be kind of confusing, at least to me. Um, he, he writes in these kind of high rhetorical flourishes, and, and it's very, it almost feels like a bunch of academics up there. Um, but I feel like today, this passage, he's being about as simple as Paul can be. Um, if you look at our passage here, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
That's pretty simple, right? If you're strong, you're supposed to take care of the weak. Makes sense. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That sounds like he's saying put others before yourself, right? Fairly simple. Strong folks, bear with the weak folks. Put others before yourself. And then in verse 3, Paul points out that this is exactly what Jesus did. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So, on some level, we could sit here and say, great. We don't really have to go any further than that. If you're strong, take care of weak folks. Put others before yourself. That's what Jesus did, right? Except that's really hard. That's really, really, really hard. Um, let me ask you a question. How good are you at putting other people first? I'm not very good at putting other people first. Um, I've learned since I've become a husband and a father exactly how bad I am at putting other people first. Um, we, all want, we all can sit here and say, yeah, it's good to put other people first. And it is. But it's not so easy to do. Um, how good are you at taking care of the weaker brother? How good are you at taking care of people that need taken care of? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been a caregiver? I know some, some, some of you do that professionally. Um, I lost my mom in 2016, and the last two years of her life were a really, really nasty struggle with breast cancer. Um, and as that disease progressed, and she lost more and more of her regular abilities, uh, my dad, to a lesser degree all of us, but especially my dad, really had to become a, a full-time caregiver. And if, if any of you have been in that situation or if you've seen anybody in that situation, um, those of you that do that professionally know how stressful and all-consuming it can be to be somebody's full-time caregiver. When somebody can't go to the bathroom by themselves, when somebody can't eat by themselves, When that is what you do all day, when you are responsible for another person, I don't have to tell you, that will take you to the end of yourself. That will, that will show you exactly what you're made of. <laughs> um, and most of the time, we realize that we're not as strong as maybe we think we are. It is really, really really, really hard. And one thing I learned in that situation with my mom is the same thing I learned becoming a husband and, and a father. I'm very selfish. I am very selfish. I don't realize how selfish I am until things in my life show me how selfish I am. When I, when I don't have choices, when I have to do for others constantly, I see how much I expect to be able to do for myself. 
I say all that to say, if you really understand what Paul is saying when he says, strong folks take care of the weak and put others before yourselves, if you, if you grasp what he's really saying there, it's going to make you feel hopeless. Because it's not easy to do. It's really, really, really hard to do. And then it almost, it's like he kind of puts a little salt in the wound. And you're like, well, Jesus did it. Right? Why can't you do it? Thank God Paul does not leave us there. In verse 4, he says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we may have hope. So, if you're a Christian, that's saying to you that, it, that if you do two things, if you keep showing up, that's endurance. Endurance just means wake up in the morning and keep pursuing this Christian life thing, putting one foot in front of the other. You know, Woody Allen famously said 80% of life is just showing up. So, the first thing he says is keep showing up. Keep coming to church. Keep wrestling with these truths of the Bible. Keep, um, keep staying in this Christian life thing. And then, keep engaging with the Scriptures. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance, that through, excuse me, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Keep showing up. Keep engaging with the Scriptures. If you do those two things, you got hope. And not just hope, but something even better than that. Look at verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that showing up and engaging with the Scriptures does not just bring hope, it brings harmony. Y'all, as a musician, there's not much that, that, that makes, gets me excited more than really good harmony. Um, I've, I've told some of y'all this before, but the first time I ever heard my wife sing, she was not singing alone. She was singing with her roommate. Uh, who also has a degree in voice, like Valerie. And they'd been singing together all through college. And these two people really, really, really know how to sing together. And when they put their voices together, it's like the clouds opened. You know, if you have a... If, if, I guarantee y'all, everybody here has some kind of a favorite song that has really good harmony in it. And what does really good harmony do? What you, you might have two people that are great singers, or three or four, however many people are singing. And their voices alone are fantastic. But when you put those voices together, it's not just like one plus one plus one equals three. The harmony that you hear is greater than the sum of the parts, right? It's like these voices get together and it's like, 
compound interest or something. It multiplies. Like, it's, it's just incredible. Um, there's a reason that people to this day, after a zillion years of them being out, still buy Beach Boys records. Because those dudes could sing incredible harmony together. And if you ever listen to any of them sing by themselves, it's fine. It's good. But it ain't nearly as good as when they put that all together. Harmony is a powerful thing. And harmony is not just there in music. Have you ever had a work situation where the person that you work with, y'all really know how to work together? And you're, you really do make a good team? And you see what happens in your job situation? It's a lot better than you could do by yourself and the other person could do by themselves. It's this whole idea of harmony. We all want that, right? We, we, we talk about wanting to live in harmony. What was it? There, there's that Coke commercial in the 70s about... I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Like, that's a, this is something everybody wants. And here's Paul, one of God's apostles, saying, keep showing up, keep engaging with the Scriptures, and you will not just get hope, you will get harmony. And you know what? History proves him exactly right. Because if you look at the history of our religion, when Jesus died and came back, he had a few followers. They were not powerful, important people. They were a ragtag bunch of former criminals and terrorists and dumb fishermen, you know. Um, and what happens? That ragtag bunch starts telling other people about Jesus, and they start coming to know Jesus. And then they tell people about Jesus, and they start coming to know Jesus. And the entire world gets turned around in a couple of centuries. Nothing has ever taken this world by storm like the early church did. And you know what they were doing? They were showing up, and they were engaging with the Scriptures. Exactly like Paul said. He means this to be a simple summary of, of the Christian life, right? We can be more complex if we want to, but we don't have to be. You know, I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't know how much I love Fred Rogers. One of my great heroes. I got a quote from him in the bulletin today. But I'm going to mention a different one right now. Fred Rogers made a point to say that it's better to be deep and simple than it is to be shallow and complex. It's better to be deep and simple than it is to be shallow and complex. Paul is being deep and simple here. It really should sound too good to be true. Keep showing up. Keep engaging with the Scriptures. The question is, how in the world can those two simple things make such a difference that it turned the world upside down? What is so powerful about reading the Bible and showing up to church that it literally turned the world upside down? Look at verse 3. For Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He says, as it is written there, because it's a quote, He's quoting Psalm 69, 
Verse 9. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Uh, my wife was kind enough to point out that nobody in, in our age and time knows what reproach means. So let me, let me help you with that. Another way to put that is Jesus said, I took on the troubles of the troubled. Jesus took on the troubles of the troubled. When when trying to do these things shows you how selfish you are, You know what you can go back to? Jesus saying, I took on the troubles of the trouble. <laughs> the things that have hurt you, the things that the failings that you see in yourself, the times you've screwed up, the times you've blown it. Jesus said, I took those on myself. The story of our faith is the story of a God who is perfect, who loved screw ups like me. So much that he was willing to give his precious little boy up so he could have me as part of the family. That's what Jesus means when he says he took on the troubles of the troubled. It means he takes on everything that you've ever done wrong and everything that's ever hurt you. And he says, I'm going to make it right. It's going to cost me my life. It's going to cost me going to hell. But I'm going to make that right. Why? Because I love you that much. Y'all, that is the kind of love that can turn the world upside down. A God who says, you sinned against me. You screwed up. But I choose to love you so much. I choose to... To need you so much, you, me, that I will give up my little boy to make you part of the family. So, when it gets hard to endure, when it gets hard to keep showing up, he says, you know what? I get that. I'm going to keep you showing up. I paid for that sin that you did. I'm going to keep you here with my power. When we see our selfishness, when we see all the things that we've done wrong, He says, I paid for those things. It's like we screwed up everything that we ever had. And our dad shows up to write a check to make it all better. Only He didn't just give up money, He gave up His precious little boy. Y'all, when we come here, that's what we're celebrating. When we read the Scriptures, that's what they are ultimately about. That the God of the universe was willing to give up everything He had for you and for me. No other religion will offer that to you. No other faith will tell you that. Every other thing that you find will say, be better. Here's a way to be better. Our faith says God Himself loved this bunch of screw-ups 
this screw up so much that I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do everything for you. I'm going to take your sin upon myself. And I'm going to love you forever and never let you go. You won't find that anywhere else. And I would say to you today as we close, if that's not something you know, if that's not the God that you're familiar with, please don't leave here. Talk to me. Talk to my wife. Talk to anybody here that knows Jesus. We will sit here and talk to you about Him as long as you want. Because we want you to know the kind of love that can turn the world upside down. Because that's the kind of love that can turn your life upside down. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.